entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Turn the music up, turn me down. Google. Let's go get him again. This time is for the money, my nigga. Brooklyn, stand up. Never been a nigga this good, but it's long, this hood, or this pop, this hot. Oh, yeah. Ha yeah. Ha ha. yeah. We're back. It's TBD. How you doing, man? Oof, I'm alright, bro. This new training on the board and stuff is getting a lot. Messing with my sleep schedule, but I'm persevering. I'm surviving. Told you. I told you. <laughs> I ain't gonna say I told you, but I told you that 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 different schedule, that, that schedule flip is different, man. That shit is hard to do. That shit is hard to do. But you know. <laughs> the weather's changing we're gonna have a little bit more sun out here it might not be all bad for you it's bad when you when you're leaving work though and the sun's up bro that's it's a hard thing to to grasp mentally because you're not yeah, yeah I'm, I'm aware it's it's uh it's what they call seasonal depression yeah multiply that by like a billion because that's what type time it is it's like damn like i seen you coming <laughs> <laughs> coming, and it ain't a thing I can do about it at all. It's like you get out to like you 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 get off of work and it's like, damn, the sun got a nine zero lead on me. <laughs> ain't a thing I can do. Kind of like, kind of like Gonzaga. Because look, we've been talking about the game for a while. We've been talking about Gonzaga all year. How good they are, were they historically good? Does it matter if they end up, you know, playing a good team that's not in a weak ass conference? Does it matter if they're not playing anyone with, you know, power five talent? And in a way, no, it don't matter. But then again, it's like it really, 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 really does. Cause I ain't gonna hold you, bro. First of all, the game should never start at 920. I ain't even going to like, let's, let's just get that the fuck out of the way. Now it should have never started at 920. I get it to West coast teams. If you want to put Gazag on the West coast, I get it. I get it. I understand. Baylor's not even a West coast team. So it's like, why are people in my messages and DMS talking about, Oh, it's the West coast. Like you got to account for everybody. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. But like, Start the game at 820 if you know they're about to get an ass whooping like that on national TV. Not nothing. I'm I'm hitting you. Hey, bro, this June's done. <laughs> it's over. And a lot of what happened was what we've been discussing and being on the fence about prior to the game being. And it's it's the talent and the nice guys versus the hungry team. And as your guys say, the hungry dogs. Do what faster? Everything. And that's what it looked like when the national chip came around. I mean, a thousand percent. Like, I think uh, what encapsulates that whole game is, I don't know if you saw on Twitter that that play from Macy O.T. where he he saves the ball from out of bounds, flies from one end of the court all the way to the other to still contest the shot from his man and his uh, – uh, his opposition it was just like damn like they really was trying to take that shit like it wasn't they didn't come in all cordial and nice like they came and saying like this is already ours like y'all I feel disrespected that y'all are even in the running for this like this is ours and we deserve it and you got to tip your hat to Baylor for that and you know we talked about that on the show last week the where you know, Baylor had those three guards that were just hungry and nasty, but their bigs played well, too. You know, everybody, that was the main focus of this game was that Baylor did not have a true five. Like, what were they going to do with Timmy? And the ironic part was, was that Timmy was the biggest liability on the floor in that national championship game. They were getting him in the pick and roll time after time and killing him. The guards were just taking their turns. Macy O.T., 
right to the bucket. Davion Mitchell, who we'll talk about later. Mid-range jumpers. Splack hat. Jared Butler pulling up for three in his mid. Like those guys were just having their way. And you saw like you just saw it. You just saw that they wanted it more. And you know, it was it was interesting because I'm watching the game, and in my head, I got all these, I got this little checklist of like, all right, if this if X team does this, this, and this, it's gonna be a walkaway win, right? So I'm looking at that, John, and I'm just thinking, and I'm like, damn. I'm watching the teams come out and warm up, and I'm just looking. And I'm like, man, something look out of place. Cause like it's like that AAU game where it's like, oh, like <laughs> we know what we rocking with every night. We gotta play this random team with a bunch of good guys and nice kids. Mm, it ain't quite the same as the people who's really hungry and trying to prove something. And all year, everybody's been talking about Gonzaga. When in reality, Baylor would have probably been undefeated as well if it wasn't for the Pauls prior to the Kansas game and then their game against Gonzaga being being canceled in the first place. So with all that aside, it's nine nothing. And all I'm seeing is, well, damn, they got four offensive rebounds in the first probably five possessions. I don't need to see anything else. Because I know I'm looking, I'm seeing Adam Flagler come down, bang, off the bench though. Jared Butler, bang, your guy, the world's guy now, <laughs> Davion Mitchell, doing whatever he wanted. And it's like, I watched the game and I just felt like, you know what? Gazag ain't got a chance. And it ain't got nothing to do with, you know, their talent, because they got the talent, but like, the way in which they got to the national championship game, real Stefan Diggs is to me. Cause like we seen we seen what happened, and like, yeah, these occurrences don't happen that often, but when they do, you can almost bet that whatever team won in a historically crazy fashion, Stefan Diggs and the Vikings went further in the playoffs off of a fluke play never should have happened. And they ended up doing promo and commercials and interviews all week before coming to Philly and getting their heads popped off. That was their Super Bowl. That took that they were at the height of everything. There's no way that they can come back hone in and focus in on that game against y'all in Philly. I feel the same way about Gonzaga. You win a game like that, you get pushed to the brink, you get pushed to overtime, and you win on a bank shot. Now, granted, the game is tied, so it wasn't like if you lose, if he misses, you lose. But coming off in high like that, and then having to get up for a game against a team who was blowing people out like Villanova did during their their last championship run, it's a hard thing to sell me on. So I'm looking, I'm like, well. That, you know, bunch of offensive rebounds, first few possessions. That's the game to me. I don't need to see nothing else. I mean, I agree. Like, I'm watching the game and shout out to Vital, Vital. Like, he was he was really doing his thing down there. Like, I think that was the major key, like you said, like grabbing those offensive rebounds early. It showed a it showed a sense of dominance. Like, yo, like we're here, like. And you just never saw that bulldog come out of Gonzaga. Like, it, it just never came. And, I mean, Jalen Suggs, he, you know, he had 20 points, 20-plus uh, points. Um, he had an okay game, I guess. But did he really? Like, yeah, he had 20 points, but did he really pop off the screen to you? Because he didn't. I don't think he showed up in the moment. Like, did he do all that he could with what his team was doing? Yeah, of course. Like, he, he definitely put it all out there. But I don't know if he – if he was that, oh, yeah, like, they lost that John, but, yo, he still, you know, handled. I don't know if he did that. I don't know if that's really what I saw. I don't know what you saw, but I just don't know if that's what I saw from him. Like, I know he's a talented player, and that's cool, but I don't know if I saw that it factor. Like, you talked about, like, there's some guys where they just have it. We talked about, like, this is a guy who we talked about being the best player in the country, and it just didn't give me that feel of, 
he's the best player in the country. Like it is a difference of taking that loss and still being like, damn, like he, he still handled business. Like, I just didn't feel that. What did you feel? See, I'm not going to put too much stock into the box score of Jalen Suggs because in a blowout like that, you're going to end up getting your number numbers one way or the other. If you are that guy, which he is like, yeah, he didn't pop off the screen. Like you didn't turn the game on and be like, huh? He can go number one. Cause he didn't, that wasn't the type of game that he had, yeah. but you could still turn it on and be like, well, all right, Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell now for sure. <laughs> um, Jalen Suggs. Yeah, those three guys are for sure going to be NBA pros. I can see that. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put too much, you know, negativity towards the the box score of Jalen Suggs, but he didn't pop in the way that you would expect someone to pop in the national championship game. And to me, that's more of a testament to what Gonzaga to what Gonzaga didn't see and what Baylor is. Because, like, yeah, Gonzaga looks when they, they come on the floor like, oh, you know, Jalen Suggs, he's put together a little bit. He lift. And then Baylor come out and it's like, oh, shit. They must lift with the football team. <laughs> and it's a difference. Like, the physicality is what changed the game from the rip. And like you said earlier, your guy Mark Vidal getting all those boards early He's also setting crazy hard screens. You're feeling him even when he's not there. You're anticipating, oh, shit, the first three possessions, I'm getting wrecked on these screens, and I see two of them coming. So now, every time the ball's coming and you hear someone from, from the backside of your defense, screen, 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 blah, 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 you're reaching around trying to make sure you're ready for that. Okay, timeout. Here comes a guy with the dreads. We're not even going to get into names because people don't even know these guys like that. But he comes in and he changed a whole different dynamic. So instead of him setting screens hard and strong like Mark Vidal, and subsequently the defense is reaching and, and, and mindful of the, of, of the physicality of those screens, now you got slip screens. Now you got sprint screens coming. And the guy with the dreads, is getting the re- he's getting the ball as the outlet guy, and he now has options. Boom, corner three, wing three, dump down in the gray air, whatever you want. But they were playing through him for like 10 minutes. It's an open book. And then you know what happened? This is when I knew the game was over. <laughs> and I texted, texted you this shit. They went zone. That's the white flag in basketball, brother. <laughs> oh, we went zone. We can't guard a soul out <laughs> Not one. We can't guard anybody. So we got to go zone. I'm just looking. I'm like, well, damn. At this point now, all I got to look and see, well, who's going to benefit from this big stage? And the guy's name was Davion Mitchell. He benefited the most, I'd say. Because as the game started, you texted me and said what? I said that he is a top 10 pick. And I was like, uh, he'll go first round. And then probably like four minutes into the game, he starts snapping, snapping. So then I start thinking back. <laughs> All the games that I saw this year from Baylor. I'm like, huh. Well, in my head, he's a pro. Like an NBA pro, not like an overseas pro, an NBA pro. And then I'm looking at him like, All right, another four minutes go by and I text you again. I'm like, uh, he might fuck around and go top 20. Then I fell asleep when I wanted to text you and say he might go lottery because he can guard anybody on the floor over there. And it didn't look like it it looked, it looked, it made me a little uncomfortable because guys didn't want to put the ball down around him. And like he's the head of that snake, and everybody on Baylor plays in your jersey. They can tie the shorts for you if they if you ask them to. This is what I'm telling you. And and I hope I hope the people who told you Davion Mitchell wouldn't be drafted or go in the first round. I hope they apologize to you because it's warranted. Shout out Jake, one and Duns. Love those guys. 
Definitely love those guys. They, they he might owe you an apology if it comes through. So like he's that. gonna owe me that dub that he bet me on his live on the pod that we did um, after the national championship game. Make sure y'all go and tap into that uh, one and dones hashtag one and dones. But yeah, he gonna he gonna pay me my dub. We gonna be cool. It's all gonna be settled out. But it's like I be trying to tell motherfuckers, bro. I just be trying to give out free game. I, <laughs> I tell everybody, man. I told everybody from the jump. Watch out for Baylor. You know, obviously they're a number one seed, but everybody was talking about they can zag it, even you a little bit. But you know, I talked you into it, talked you into the Baylor. Came, you know, came. I just like to give both sides. I just like to give both sides. It's cool. It's cool because a lot of people didn't really feel Baylor because they didn't see a lot of them. True. You know, you even if you didn't see a lot of Gonzaga, you heard their names way more than you heard Baylor's because. Let's keep it funky. I mean, the last time Baylor was on this big of a stage was when some bad shit happened. Yeah. You know, this is probably the greatest rebuild of a program we've seen ever. Oh, three, Scott Drew come in on the heels of a murder case. Teammate killing teammate. A couple years before that, FBI prancing around. The years after the program itself, the school itself, they going through all types of art brow situations and all types of crazy stuff. For them to come through and break the seal and get this championship with probably not their best Baylor team is very impressive to me. I mean, but the tournament always gives us these moments. And for guys like Davion Mitchell, they take them and they end up in the NBA draft. Because <laughs> that's what's going to happen for a guy like him. No, yeah, I mean, easily. I mean, the same thing happened with Dante DiVincenzo. Dante DiVincenzo was a six-one. Like, he came off the bench on that Villanova team for the majority of that year. Then in the National oh, – but here's the thing that people didn't understand. He came off the bench, but he played starter minutes. He played 23 minutes a game. Like, he, he, he was on the floor a lot. And, like, that's just the weird rotation that – Jay Wright had that year because he had so much at his disposal. He couldn't, he needed Dante to be on that second unit to give them life. So it's kind of, you know, it's kind of different with Davion because he was a starter and, but he, he played his role in that. Like when you have three guards like that, the only way that they succeed is if they're all on the same page and they all realize only one or two of us is really going to be able to have spectacular games at once. And somebody's going to have to be okay with taking the back seat and enjoying winning the game. And that's what they had at Baylor. And that's what I think was so key with the Baylor team was that they had three guys who understood what it took to win and things that they needed to do within themselves in order to win games. It's funny that you brought that up. Because early in the season, you know, you got Big Tuesday and all the all the, the days and where there's multiple college games on, pandemic or not, we got a chance to see a decent amount of games this year. And, you know, when the ESPN games come around, they, they do this thing and, you know, it's it's a player and it's an analyst, usually billers for somebody, and they do like, you know, a 90-foot walk, basically walk down the court, a couple quick questions. And they kind of did one for Baylor, but it was almost like all three guards was featured in the piece. And, you know, they, they kind of highlighted Davion Mitchell, you know, talk about, oh, well, you know, he, he wasn't really that good of a player early on. Could only really guard, he couldn't run a team. And then something switched and then he started to become a scoring guard. And then next thing you know, you got Jared Butler there and then you have, a stable of guards all of a sudden and the piece pretty much highlighted those guys understanding each other's talents but also respecting them for the betterment of the team and I think you know Scott Drew should get a lot of credit for getting that group to believe in each other's talent because we always say we as in me and you the college game is always going to be dominated by the guards. It's a guard-predicated league. Like it or not, like the player of the year wasn't even close to the championship. And he showed out. But if you don't got any guards, if you don't got guards who can go get a bucket and 
are okay with their other teammates going and getting multiple buckets at times, you're not going to have success. And the Baylor team, to me, all year, like as good as Gonzaga was, which they were, I feel like a lot of people did them a disservice for not talking about them in the light that they should have. Because they could have easily been the number one seed overall this year if that Gonzaga game happens, for sure. Whoever won that game probably would have been the, the number one for the rest of the season. Agreed. And, and, and like, the stat that I saw, I mean, it doesn't really hold it, – like it's not super tangible. But when we get a number one versus number, quote-unquote, two in a chip, the, the two seed is almost – undefeated i believe it's five and oh now yikes so it's like what does that say about the number one overall seeds like i would like to look back at all the overall number ones who ended up facing number twos and are they gonzaga number ones who are from a small conference who people don't respect or are they north carolina with roy williams and and the gang number one overall for sure, 100%. Eh, I think that matters. Because like you said earlier, who did Gonzaga really play this year? And I hate to be that guy because I don't want to be that guy. So I feel like you should bring that up. Oh, I mean, I don't care. I mean, yeah, who did they play? Like, who, like, and it's not to say that, you know, we know that they play out-of-conference games. We know that they played Kansas. But it's like when you have to play those out of conference games and we know all the most you try to make those out of conference games tough games, because if you win those, they mean more. Um, But you also want to have teams in your conference that are tough and rigorous so that later on down the season, as you're, you know, as you're trying to get ready for the tournament, your team is getting better. Your team is um, it is getting a kick in the ass if need be to realize what's some things that they need to adjust. Gonzaga never had that. They were steamrolling teams after after non-conference games because their conference is sweet. So it's like that does a disservice to you at the end of the day. Like I think the Gonzaga needs to leave. Like I think they need to change conferences. I don't know if they need to um go to try and get into the Pac-12 or the Big 12 I don't know but I think that they should leave because the, at this point they're too good of a team to be in that conference like they've made a stain for themselves few grew that that program into what it is now and there's nothing wrong with realizing that you're too big for the shoes now it's it's okay you grew out of them Jones it's time to get some new ones head over to Foot Locker and just grab some new kicks that's all. I mean, Butler did it. Damn sure did. They did it. I mean, I'm I'm actually I'm here for that. I'm here for that because I'm I'm one of those people where when we start to see a chance at history being made, I almost always want to see it. Like 73 and 9, yeah, I want to see you win the chip. <laughs> I don't give a fuck if it was against the Lakers or whomever the case may be. I want to see history so I can say that I actually had a chance to see something that probably might not happen again. It's hard to go undefeated in college basketball and then turn around and win a chip and do it. It's hard. So yeah, part of me wanted to see that, but a part of me also knew in the back of my head, man, they ain't play a soul this year. And it has nothing to do with how good or how, you know, not good Gonzaga was because they were historically good. Now, yeah, you can say it's a product of who they played or whatever, but you still got to make the shots. You still got to execute. You still got to be on the string. I would love to see them go to the Pac-12 or the Big 12. One, because I need to see if they can even compete in conference play, which I think they would, but it also would help them build their brand up because they're getting now top recruits out of high school. But if you play in a weak conference every year, it's like going out and playing 
under the whistle for a year and then you play in a bunch of pickup games. You play enough pickup games, you're going to be able to realize you're better than everybody else. You're going to pick up bad habits. You're going to think you, you're going to think you can get away with a pump, jab, bullshit, lay, floater. Yes. When in reality, you need to pump, jab, jump, stop, swing it one more time, swing it again, hit the corner three so y'all can go up by six before the media. You know, and playing in that power five, yeah, it might sound like it's an overrated thing, but when you're a program like Gonzaga who can turn into something that needs to be changed, you cannot do your players and your program a disservice by continuing to stay in a subpar conference. Now, yeah, the conference is going to suffer if you lose, but listen, man, we're not doing y'all no help if we go into the chip every year and going deep every year, getting almost undefeated every year and coming up short because we are not battle-tested enough to go play the dogs. Thanks. It can't happen that way. Thanks. I don't care how young you are. I just don't. I mean, it has to happen. I mean, I agree, man. Like, people, and I hate this notion, like, people love saying conferences don't matter. They do matter. Like, this is a clear example of conferences mattering. Like, a clear, evident example. They weren't battle ready. They weren't battle tested. You need a late test. Um, you know, look, clear example. Nova's my team, so I, I'm heavy biggies hoops. There's always a Creighton game, or there's also is either Creighton, St. John's, or um, or Butler, who's given Nova a run for their money in the Big East tournament. Every year, it, it never fails. Like, Nova really runs the Big East, but ne it never fails that either Creighton or St. John's or Butler uh, is giving us trouble in that Big East tournament. But that's also something that we need. And Jay Wright loves that shit, and it always makes us better. Because when it's when it's tournament time's getting ready, and it's a long season. Guys get complacent. You start you know, just going through the motions. But when you get a, when you have a loss, you're like, whoa, we shouldn't even have lost to this team or, or whoa, I got way too complacent. You start checking yourself like, all right, I need, I need to, I need to, need to get back on my shit. So like, that's like, this is what, this is what I'm talking Like, These are why conferences really matter. Nah, that's a fact. It's a good thing that you brought that up because it's like, like you hear the word Big East and you think of, I mean, now you, you think of probably just Nova before, you know, the realignment and all that in Syracuse and the whole nine. But, like, yeah, you expect Nova to represent the Big East all the time in the tournament, at least of late over the last few years. You expect them to be two wins for sure. But when you watch a Big East tournament, you don't necessarily expect them to win the Big East tournament. Because if you see Creighton win the Big East, it's not like, damn, man, Nova ain't that good this year. It's like, oh, well, that conference is rugged. <laughs> yes. If I see Gonzaga not win their conference, there's a problem. That's... And everyone makes jokes about oh, Pac-12 after dark. No one watches that shit. Yeah, but everybody was Johnny Juzangin. Rush hour four, he should be an extra. I fuck with his name type shit. You know what I mean? Freaky Tanya, I need the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, all that. He for sure. But it's like people were shocked. Oh, UCLA is making a run. The Pac-12 doing good for themselves. It's a reason for that. Even if people think the Pac-12 is the worst conference, the top teams in the in the Pac-12 might might fuck around and bust Gonzaga ass in the, in, if they were all in the same conference. You never know. I mean, I will say this. I was shocked by UCLA because I did watch that Stanford game and just the way that it ended on that lay-in, it was just like, I can't believe that this team made it this far. Like, But that also shows you the progression of a team. Like, that shows you, like, you can have bad losses like that or, or, or close wins like that, and you just – you learn from those types of situations – and you become better from it like the, like and that's what we're talking about here where conference matters like UCLA got better from that moment regardless like they got better and they learned from it and then helped them because that that overtime game 
Um, with who they play uh, right before uh, Gonzaga. God, I can't even remember off the top of my head. But that went into, oh, uh, Alabama. The overtime game with Alabama. They probably don't win that game unless they go through that game earlier in the season against Stanford. That's a fact. I mean, and a lot of that has to do with Mick Cronin, who, you know, in his old days when he was coaching Cincy, like he had Cincy as a program that was, not a powerhouse, but they were respectable. All right. You know, that was back when Xavier was it. You remember Kenny Freeze and the boys and then Yancey Gates cracking niggas' heads open. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's, a, that's a tough conference. You're not getting that in Gonzaga conference. And it has nothing to do with – no one's saying Gonzaga's not good, you know? Like, they, no one's saying they can't compete in the, in the Power Five conferences, but they need to be entering that club. You know, you you can't keep swimming in a kiddie pool and then try to jump in the deep end and think you're going to swim because if you can't swim, you are bound to drizzle. Sure. 100%. 100%. And then you're going to look shot, you know, and then everyone's going to be on Twitter like, oh, these guys are, these guys are fucking posers. These guys are what they're talking about. These guys just put out, you know, a top 25 team and they got Lonzo LaMelo ball and all these. Wait, what? That's what I saw last night. I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah, I saw that. But I saw something. And um it's like it's like this this LaMelo ball guy is following me. Cause my homies when when he was bubbling as a youth in high school, shooting from half court and getting 195 points and all that stuff, and everyone was like, yo, LaMelo's so good. I'm like, yeah, I hear y'all, but like who's the young boy playing against? You know what I mean? Like he can't do all that in a in an organized whistle. He got to learn how to play the game. Fast forward now, he's a talent. Would have been rookie of the year if he ain't get hurt. Agreed. But ESPN, man, you know, shout out to the guys. I'm not a fan of this whole clickbait, link list ranking stuff. I'm just not. Because I know in my heart, people don't believe the stuff that they put out. They can't. Absolutely cannot be true. You don't You don't believe that people believe that Zion Williamson is the second best player under 25? There's no way he can be the second best player under 25. There's no way. Now, if you want to preface it like they did with this list and base it off potential and all that shit. Well, you know what I'm going to come back with you with? You know what I'm going to say? All right, well, I'm going to put Imani Bates as number one then. Because we go about potential. What do you mean? They're telling me he's the best thing since, since sliced Kevin Durant, Brent. Yeah, well, you're not wrong there. I mean, I'm just not a fan of, of doing that to a list like this because it does a disservice to the next generation of basketball players. But you know what this is, Alan. Like, you know what this is. Do you know the list? Could be the list? Yeah, I'm, I've seen the list. Luca one, Zion two, LaMelo three, Don Mitchell four, Jason Tatum five, De'Aaron Fox is six, your guy B. Simmons is seven, Devin Booker, you want to say it again? Devin Booker is eight, Bam Adebayo is nine, and Shea Gilgis is, is ten. Let me, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. In terms of storylines... They're ranked the same. They're identical. We're talking about Luka Doncic, right? He's now got the Mavs playing well. They're they're trying to inch up the ladder and get into the playoffs. Um, Zion Williamson has been the talk of the town this year because this is the second year in the league and he's playing well. ESPN loves him. Then third is LaMelo Ball, who was the rookie of the year. Nobody thought... You know, there was questions about should he go number one? Should he go over Ant Edwards, blase, blase. And now, you know, he got into the league. He was coming off the bench playing really well. Like, these are storylines. Like, this is like, at the end of the day, this is what they love to do. This is what ESPN loves to do. This is what the NBA loves to do. They love to hang on and to cling on to storylines. This is a storyline list. Because there's no way that Devin Booker should be eight. There's no way he is lethal he is one of one he is disgustingly good i don't even like that my man Ma murray is so low did we forget mr 50 point 
Like, are we, like, do we forget Bubble Murray? Listen, man, this list that's out that has everybody up in arms, that has everybody upset, it's a social media list. I'm looking at it again. It's a social media list. It's not a basketball list. It ain't a, it ain't a list based off of talent. It can't be. It's a list off of, you know, the, the first three names, like you said earlier, they are probably the three most polarizing players for the younger generation. Oh. So, of course, they're probably going to be one, two, three. But, like, storyline driven. I'm not I'm not here for it. Like, I'm cool with Luca being in it. Luca could probably be one. He probably is the best of the under 25 club. No problem with that. Yes, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if he's the like, I would still put like D book over him. Like, I would, I would do that. I would do that. Yeah, I can't do that just because like Luca does too much on the court. So, if we're going to have a basketball conversation, yeah, Devin Booker's a better scorer than him for sure. But totality of a player, I'll probably give the edge to Luca because he affects the game in more ways. But you got a lot of it. A lot of it has to do with who's around them, who's I'm not about, around them. I'm about to say, yeah, we're going to take that into account. Because D book has a D book has a point guard, so he doesn't have to do that. He can, oh yeah, as that he can, but he doesn't have to do that, and that's, that's not what the system warrants him. That's true, but like I see Luca, and it's like I see Luca, and it's like. Almost 30 a game, almost 10 boards, almost 10 assists. And it's like, I can't argue with that talent. So I'm going to keep him in the five. Devin no, I mean, Booker, he should definitely be there. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Devin Booker should be in the five for sure. 100%. We know that. 100% has to be in the five. There's no way he can't be. Jason Tatum, I'm putting him in the five. Okay. Okay. Luca, we got Book, we got Tatum. <laughs> so we got what two spots left? I mean, I think I think Donovan Mitchell got to be in there, bro. See, this is this is this is the thing to me. If we're going to put Donovan Mitchell in, like, I don't. Are you putting Are you putting Bam there? Huh? Are you putting Bam there? No, I'm, no, no. So if that's the case, I'm putting Maul Murray in my five. That's four. I'm putting my Murray in the five. Okay. I got to. So now it comes down to one spot and one spot only. And to me, it's two people. It's your guy, Spider. But I can't put Spider in that joint. I got to put Ben Simmons in the five. Wow. I have to put Ben Simmons in the five. That's actually shocking. I can't disrespect the game, man. Even though Ben Simmons disrespects the game every single night by coming on the floor <clears throat> with a shooting sleeve on and not shooting the pill. Bro, he be taking it, he take it off, though, bro. He don't even wear it no more. He like. should never put it back on. They need it, if, if they had a sleeve for cool passes, yeah, cool. Wear it all day. But all that funny shit aside, Ben Simmons has to be in my five because of what he does to the game. Now, I understand he can't shoot. We've talked at length about this. But I can't think of... I can't think of another player that I would put in my five over Ben Simmons. Like, Donovan Mitchell's good. He'd give me heavy D-Wade and Gilbert Arenas vibes, way he moved, way he scored and shit. But, like, I can't put you over Ben. I can't put you over the defensive player of the year at 6'10, 6'11, almost seven feet. I can't. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't do it. I don't know if you're going to put Ben in your five unbiasedly as a Sixers fan, but see, he has you, to here's the question I'm asking you, though. Is it, are you talking about today? How good are they today? Are you talking about potential? I don't live in the world of potentials. Okay. Not for the, not for, not for this conversation. Basketball players. Right now, today, 25 or, or younger, that's the five. See, it's like I love Ben, man. I really, I really love Ben. <laughs> but it's just like 
Maybe it's cause maybe maybe it's I'm holding on to some some outside exterior feelings that I have for him and him just not doing what I need of him, which is shooting the damn ball and being aggressive. <clears throat> so it's like maybe it, this will help you. Maybe this will help you take a step back and appreciate what Ben does for your team. Yeah, I, I I don't know. And I, I just don't know if that's what's going to happen. Because it's just I'm looking at these other players like Trey Young, Donovan Mitchell, Ball. Like Trey Young's averaging almost like 30 points a game. Like he 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 could get you 30 every night. I'm looking at the box scores of his games and it's effortless. Oh, Trey Young, 34 points tonight. Trey Young, 42 points tonight. Trey Young, 25 points tonight. Like on the regular, on the regular, like it's it's bad. But then you also got Donovan Mitchell, who I'm I'm watching his games almost every other night and having his way, doing what he wants to do, going to the bucket, pulling up for three. And it's like, then I then I it's like then I think of Ben Simmons and it's like, all right, good defender. I mean, rebounds, assist, still no shots. So, <laughs> um, so like that's why it's hard for me to really put him in the list. But if we're talking about top five, obviously I got Luca in there. Um, <clears throat> I'm gonna put D Book in there. Um, I think I'm gonna put Donovan Mitchell. Uh, I think Maul Murray ends up in there as well. And it's like, damn, do I put Trey Young in? Do I put, um, you know, John Moran in? It's like, I love John. Do I put De'Aaron Fox in? Because I feel like motherfuckers is disrespecting De'Aaron Fox. <laughs> like, stop doing that. Like, this man is, like, I get he plays in Sacramento. And I get nobody wants to watch Sacramento games. Because nobody wants to watch old-ass Harrison Barnes anymore. I get Falcon. I get Terrible nickname, by the way. I get it. But at the same time... De'Aaron Fox, you want to talk about defenders? Lockdown defender and can still get you 25. Lockdown your guy, uh, Lonzo Ball, uh, in the national tournament. Yeah. Yup, your guy. I don't even know if that's true because last I saw from that one, that's not my guy. Laker for life. (laughs) Eh, No, there's only one Laker on this list of 25 who I would, would claim, and I'm not a big fan of him, and that's Brandon Ingram. B.I. AKA baby Lisa Leslie with the beads, but whatever. Enough jokes. Yo, yo. He's tough. He's tough. tough. But like, I just like, I feel what you're saying with Ben. And like, I wouldn't be mad if people were like, oh, you can't have Ben in your five because he can't shoot. I mean, I'm a guy who values shooting. Top 10 for sure. Top 10. Yes. It's weird to put, it's weird for me personally to put Ben in a five of anything with him not being able to shoot. But like, when I compare him to the other players his age or younger, as in 25 or younger, it's like, look, man, I might just have to live with you not being able to shoot the ball if I'm starting right now because, like, nobody on this list guards better than you. Only person who facilitates better than you is probably Luca. Yeah. <laughs> not many people finish better than you on this list. And none of them rebound nearly as good as you do, even on your bad days. So it's like you checking all them boxes, but shooting, I kind of got to push you. If not five, you got to be five B. You're like, fuck it. I mean, like I can't disrespect the game. That's fair. I mean, the game is about art. I mean, it's like people coming and turn around and disrespecting Kyrie all the time. Now I've been indifferent on Kyrie. You mean? I always said I would take Dame over him. I got bias. I like big bodyguards, even though he's not huge compared to Kyrie. But as I've watched the evolution of Kyrie Irving, I've come to become a huge fan of him, <laughs> an incredibly huge fan of him. Oh, God. And I think it's mainly because I'm seeing a bunch of people who would battle me about Kyrie now turn on the man. Oh, he don't win no more. He ain't no winner. He's a problem. He's a locker room problem. He blew the Celtics up. He fucked up the relationship with him and Brown. Well, you know, 
the Brown effect has a lot of the Brown effect put a haze on a lot of a lot of optics in the NBA, but that's a different different story. The stuff Kyrie Irving does, man, he, he's is he the the box office event in the NBA right now? Like, is he appointment TV? I don't know. I don't. I don't know if we're that far. Like, I mean, I think there's still other guys. There's, there's, there's about three other guys who are like that. Three or four other guys. Who would they be? KD. He ain't playing. He's play, supposed to play tonight. <laughs> Reaper's supposed to be back tonight. But okay. And everybody gonna be tuned in. KD. Joel Embiid. LeBron James. And Harden. Okay, I was about to say. <laughs> where, where is he at? Where is he at? I, I will also throw Curry into that list, but I think those I think those are the guys who like people will, will go out of their way to watch. You know, and then that second tier is probably Jokic and Dame. And um, you know, because it's kind of hard to watch those games. Yeah, book book two. I mean, a lot of people still don't watch the Suns, but like it's just crazy when I watch what Kyrie does, man. It's like I don't know if there's a better. I don't know if there's a more like we always say, like who's the who's the more skilled player versus who's the better player. Like I don't think there's a guard, a point guard, better skill than Kyrie Irving. <laughs> I like what you did there. <laughs> well, what happened? You went from who's better, who's more skilled, and then you said better skilled. So that was good. That was good by you. I mean, you know, together that was cute. That was little, little, little English major. God, like, relax. Okay. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But relax. it's like, like, am I tripping? Is he? Is is there another guy that comes to your mind that's more skilled than him at the position? I don't know if there's another player in the league right now that has more tricks in his bag. Like he's coming to the party and he's still in the show. Like he's pulling rabbits out of his hat. He's pulling uh, ribbons out of his mouth. He's pulling quarters and dollars out of motherfuckers ears and hair. Like he's doing everything that you are asking of him. While taking your wallet. (laughs) I'll bring it back later. I'm a magician out here. Seriously though. And it's like, Kyrie's just really having his way and just, you know, doing anything he wants out there. Um, but yeah, in terms of like talent, no, I don't think there's another guard um, that's more talented than Kyrie. No, no. You know, it's, it's maybe, maybe we should try to unpack this a little bit um, on the next, on the next installment of what, what we do here. Like, are we about to be in an era of basketball or are we currently in it where it doesn't sound crazy to say certain players are the best ever at certain things? Yeah, it's going to get it's going to get to that point because like it's it's succession, like people have to realize that there's always going to be somebody doing something better. Like like take it, for instance, like let's take an instance outside of sports in the tech world, it's always, it's forever growing. There's things always, there's always some new thing that's out that's never been heard of because we're learning new things and people are seeing old things and figuring out how can I do that better? It's the same thing with hoops. There's guys right now who's probably watching Kyrie saying, damn, Kyrie tough, but what if I did this instead of that? Like, what if I hop step out of that move instead of, you know, maybe hitting the hezzy. Like, those are the type of things that guys are thinking about and working on in the gym. Like, that's the thing that people also don't understand. Like, guys aren't just whimsically doing these things. Like, they're putting the time in. Like, Kyrie talks about that shit all the time. He's like, most of the shit that I do, like, I do that on the regular. Like, that's me working on that in the gym. I don't just go out there and do that every night. Like, I practice that. So it's not like me. I'm not just getting, I'm not just falling into these moves type of thing. Like, this is not the rec league. Guys aren't just trying things out on a whim. You guys are putting in the time. And I, a lot of, I think guys are going to continue to put that time in and are going to continually make us amazed at what they're able to do. And like, like a guy like James Harden, for example, 
he started doing the back, the, the step back, the side step, whatever the hardened step, whatever, whatever it's going to end up being coined. That's now a staple in basketball history. You seen who did it? I'm sorry. I said you seen who did it. Last I mean, Joel Embiid is the most skilled center to ever play, and if you got a fucking problem, you can at me with it. Because that's what I really feel, and I don't really feel like there's a, a, a debate otherwise. I love that. Name me a more skilled big than Joel Embiid all time. We can have a conversation. But, like, you know, I jumped on internet, the internet last night, and I saw some random Euro bull shooting one-footed jump shots in his overseas games. I mean, like... Multiple dribble moves, step back, one-footed jump shots. Splash, 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 splash. And I would bet you that he saw that James Harden. Remember James Harden was, was flirting around with, with the one-footed floater step back threes for the Euros in, in the Olympics and shit? Yeah. Now look. You know, we're going to come. There's going to come time where we're going to play. Yo, Steph Curry's clear-cut the best shooter of all time. No question about it. We're going to come around and say, you know what? Kevin Durant, James Harden, they're probably the two most skilled and most gifted and most innovative basketball players when it comes to putting the ball in the rim of all time. Yeah, for sure. We're going to say stuff like that. We're going to start comparing Kyrie in the same breath as the most skilled at the position like we do Kobe. These things are going to be commonalities in the coming years. It's going to sound crazy when we're in the moment because it's like, oh, Kobe's not the most skilled two-guard ever. It's like, uh, prove me wrong. And the tie-in is, look, you got Mamba and you got Kyrie who looked up to Mamba. It's a reason why you see Bulls shimmying, double half spins, lefty jumpers. That's Kobe's skill. That's now passed down to Kyrie. So now when that next generation comes through and they start pulling shit out their ass, we're going to know where it came from. And we're going to be able to tell people, look, I remember when that fucking step back started coming around being a thing. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> that boy James Harden was a bad boy now. Like That's how it's going to be. Yeah. But we're going to see. We're going we're gonna to talk about that more next week because... We're going to have to make a list of people who, who are going to have to, you know, rewrite the claims to fame in the NBA. I like that. I guess that's, I guess that's to be determined now. Um, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Fuck this. One more